do appreciate all three people in the fucking audience. We appreciate you for showing up. Now it's four people. All right, welcome everybody to a Mother's Day version of Trek Talk. I'm Techman16. And I'm actually fucking here. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Handy. Stargazer, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Boom's probably not available. He's uh he's LARPing. I'm 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 here so few times I say that I'm actually fucking here and there's gonna be comments in our YouTube. Who who is that? <laughs> right. Um anyways, on the stage we got my good old friend Get Fresh, man. How you doing? Great hey, man. Except for my broken leg. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before we started recording reason why uh you know what get fresh was talking about was he and i used to fan sub anime back when they were called whatever they were called japanese cartoons japanimations anime whatever uh we were part of different uh i mean w- w- we never were part of the same group but we we worked in other groups that were that were adjacent any case, uh, Get Fresh has an interesting sense of humor, and not and not many people, <laughs> not many people, if they take him at face value, are 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 gonna see the his his true nature. But uh, we were talking about way back when when uh, fan subbing first started using VHS, and you had to use a device called a Genlock in order to make sure that the time synced up with with the subtitles that you were trying to sub and uh that's when he got started so get fresh why don't you take it away tell us more about that time period so back then like an ibm genlock cost around 40 grand um so i wasn't even in college yet but i knew the anime club of virginia tech and they had tricked IBM into giving them a Genlock for free for, they said it was for educational purposes, but they were the anime club of Virginia Tech. And <laughs> they sent him this like $40,000 piece of like machinery. Um, and the way it would work, it, it was off of Super v- VHS, uh, SVHS. Um, and you would use generally a Commodore 64 or something like that. Um, with like Jayco sub or something like that. Um, and it, it was the output into the input and it had to actually record in real time. It wasn't like a, a, a modern fan sub or modern encoding or anything like that where it's not linear, it's just by compression. Um, but back then it would have to actually play the tape and record the subtitle onto the Super VHS tape. And then from there, they would actually hook up numerous VHS sets from the one Super VHS master and then create all the extra VHS tapes and then like they mail those out to whatever fan club or whatever wanted them. Um, the, the group that was there at Virginia Tech was called New Type. Um, you, of course, off of Gundam and all that shit. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of those anime clubs and everything tricked companies like IBM and everything into... <laughs> giving them free shit. <laughs> that sounds that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it, and how long did that last before the digital versions came out? 
so VHS fan subbing started back in the early 80s with MIT. Um, it really hit its heyday, like me and Tofu Sensei and stuff like that. He was mostly a distributor. Uh, really hit its heyday back in the mid 90s. Uh, when the, the internet turnpike came up and all that, like the, you did anime turnpike and stuff like that, uh, where you'd have the big distro groups. Um, and then you could actually talk to distro people and be like, Hey, I want all of this anime and you'd have to pay them, but it wasn't you paying them for profit. You'd have to pay them for the cost of the VHS tapes, like the actual tape themselves, like the blank tapes. Um, and then they would send it out to you. Um, and depending how good the group was, you get a certain generation of tape from them. Uh, Because some groups, sometimes you get like an 8th gen tape, so it was like very choppy and it was very fucked up. Like, it it was almost unwatchable sometimes. But I'm I'm saying the VHS subbing probably lasted until 2001, 2002. Some of the groups are still doing it, like slow as fat or slow as fuck fan subs and shit like that. They were they were still doing VHS. Um, and the people were converting it to like RM and stuff like that, or DivX, or XFID wasn't around by two thousand two. Uh, yeah, it was probably RM or DivX or AVI. You know, DivX three point one one stuff like that. You're also using terms that these people don't understand. Those are RM and our codecs. Right, RM codecs. Uh, they they were playing on real media files. I think we all know video codecs. Well, I mean, there's like for me, I'm not I'm not the fucking most uh, technologically inclined, especially when it comes to things like that. But I mean, it's essentially you're taking it from an analog source to a digital source. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it went from analog fan subbing to digi subbing but in the crossover a lot of people were digitizing the old analog fan subs um and and of course the first codecs that you had in in the early days of digital media were things like real media um you had the excuse me the legacy codecs which was your avi microsoft codec which got hacked and then turned into divix um directx video and the first DivX hack was 3.11 and then DivX tried to go professional with 4.11 or four. It was a 4.0 or 4.11. I forget. Um, And then it was actually called DivX. It wasn't just called AVI, you know, whatever the fuck it was. It actually had like the DivX at the end of it. But those were the, the original codecs before XFID came out, which is literally XFID is the reverse. Like if you turn DivX around, it's backwards DivX. It was the original people hacked the original AVI uh, legacy codec. And they, they just want to keep it free. <clears throat> but we were using things back then like Nandub, which eventually came Virtual Dub, which Virtual Dub is still the standard. Kind of, sort of. Am I wrong, Techman, on that? I think Virtual Dub is still the standard. No, I think the, I think the mod became the standard after a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for uh, was it AVI Synth? Well, AVI Synth, but uh, Virtual Dub Mod was the one that... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's the one that I started using. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, I mean, it's still vir- Virtual Dub Core. It's no longer Nandub or anything like that, you know? I think AVI Synth has evolved into um, Vapor Synth. 
Anyways, that, so for, for those of you that don't understand, that, that's a scripting language that is able to intake inputs from your, um, from your digital sources and then overlay them with all sorts of either video files, uh, audio files, or subtitle files. And you could port that into a visual program called Virtual Dub or Virtual Dub Mod, depending on what you use. And that will that that can go frame by frame with your you know with your scripting language, so that you can see whether everything makes sense. And people use it for all sorts of things: timing issues, typesetting issues, um, making sure everything's you know fine and perfect by the time it gets encoded and uh, and shipped out digitally. So I'll bring it full circle for you guys. We're all Star Trek nerds, and we love rockets and space and space travel. The same time code that we use in subtitling, um, the original time code, SMPTE. SMPTE was invented by NASA. SMPTE time code. And it was originally invented to set off the booster rockets and different rockets at different times. And then the audio industry picked up SMPTE to do music recording. But originally it was for rocket firing. I did not know that. Yeah, it was originally for rocket firing. It, it, that's how we got to the moon, was simply time code. It was just beeps and boops. And when a certain number of beeps and boops happened, a specific rocket would fire, or a certain stage would break off. And that's how they kept the data so low, was they're running reel-to-reel tape, telling them when to engage certain engines and do certain things. So they could keep the data extremely low because the computers could not hold that much data back then. Yeah, no iPhones around. Goddamn went to the moon with a dial tone. Yep, pretty much. They made it work. So just bring it full to first circle. The way I make these videos and these podcasts is based on that very technology. Can we just can we just appreciate the and, and it's something that I've recently discovered. I'm not an idiot, right? I understand computers. I understand like the, the basic principles of how they work. I'm not like somebody's like 85 year old grandma trying to use an iPhone, right? Like so, I, I understand. So, um, I'm not fucking like an old guy. But um, getting into the intricacies of how things are compatible and how they work is something that I've recently stepped into because a friend of mine is really into. He's really into computers. Um, he's really into modifying and, and, and hacking uh, operating systems and running custom emulators and ROMs and shit like that. He's, he's, he's very much involved in that world. And he gave me a hacked Sony PSP. You know, shit's old as hell, man. It's almost 20 years old. But you hack it and you can run, um, all, well, not all, but a lot of um, like Nintendo 64 games. You can run the all of the super nes nes um game boy advance game boy color you know a few other things right so he he's giving me this thing and he's like yeah here you go it's already got these emulators for all these different things and so now i've i've gone into trying to figure out how to uh, just very basic you know go online find the roms figure out where to put them in the in the file folders how to arrange everything um how to convert certain things like converting um the PlayStation one games into a PSP format and using the file converters and stuff like that. But anyway, so, you know, a lot, it's very complicated. 
um, to a, to a layperson at, at least, like me. And I would just like to point out that people don't appreciate how many of how many people spend hours, tens, dozens, hundreds of hours, uh, making all these things compatible, and then allowing people like me to utilize it for free. And I don't think people ever appreciate the communities behind these things, you know, like at one point it was most of our leaps and bounds and technology are from individuals like that doing it for free. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the core, that's the core of what I'm saying. Like it kind of comes, you can, I'll, I'll use your, your terms that you were using earlier. I'll bring it full circle to why, to our podcast and why we hear we like Star Trek. Star Trek is a semi-socialist, um, culture right so uh and i say that because it's not it's not exactly anyway there's a lot of differences we can spend like you know several podcast episodes on that but the point that i'm making is is that a lot of things there in that show is that you know making technology available to those in need you know oh here's this thing it replicates food here you go you can have it you know and that way you can you know convert this energy into consumable energy you know, for human beings or aliens or wherever the fuck you're from, people with dicks on their head, whatever, it doesn't matter. But um, I don't know. I think I think a lot of people don't people don't really sit and think about how much time and effort it went. Like if you have an Android phone and you're like, check it out, I can play Game Boy games on my phone. You don't appreciate how much time and effort it took, not just one person, but many people to eventually get to the end point where you could download this on a computer read a how-to tutorial or watch a three-minute youtube video and you know within five to ten minutes you're you're playing a game that wasn't designed to be on your phone on your phone and for you it's five minutes but for these other people it was hundreds of hours of development and testing and bricking pieces of hardware and they had to go out and get new hardware because they fucked it up you know what i mean like all these different things people don't really appreciate the time and effort that these sort of nameless people or just it's just a username on a screen you know so anyway i just think it's kind of interesting that we take for granted so many of these things that we get air quotes for free when in actuality it's really not free somebody paid the price for it i i can absolutely appreciate that because i before i started fan subbing i started in the wear scene um and where i started was on bbs's and things like that and we were doing things like NES or Super NES uh, hacked ROMs and so on and so forth. And what we were doing was we, we were a spreading the the, the fucking culture. Um, but on top of that, we were having fun. It, it was more fun than anything when you could actually screw with the actual software of the the how NES ROMs worked and everything. Um, and if you do want some ROMs later, I've got everything up through GameCube, so I can definitely give them to you. <laughs> so. I use, um, I've been getting them from Vim's Lair, and those are pretty, most of them are really solid. Every now and then you get a wonky port. Like, you're like, okay, this shit doesn't work. But for the, for the most part. There, there are some that are fucked up. Um, it, it depends upon the MU. Uh, so some ROMs will only work on some emulators, uh, but I've got I've got the solid packs where they'll work on the emulator no matter what, uh, because the emulator comes native with 
and the ROMs will all work on it. Uh, some ROMs are just wonky because uh, the data was corrupted itself, but for the most part, they should all run. You know what I mean? Like they should run, unless you're having like a DOS X problem or uh, most slow isn't working or something else, uh, uh, some other issue. Um, I don't. I don't really know about the PSP thing uh, specifically for how the emulator would work on that because the the clocking time would be different. Um, but yeah, it, that would be very specific. Your your friend is very intelligent to be able to port it onto a PSP itself because of the clocking time issues. Because the old ROMs went off of clocking time of the actual CPU. So they would go to the speed of the CPU itself. Um, it, and it's not like modern games where they clock off of an internal clock. It, it, the old games clocked off of your actual hertz or your megahertz and so on and so forth uh, with what the speed was and when that that's what the turbo button was on your computer a long time ago was actually if you hit the turbo button it would actually slow down your computer and slow down the clock speed to old dos speed so that it, it would it would sync up in time with how the old cpus would work before you know 40 46 dx2 it would it would sync up to like your 380 386 and things like that on the actual clock speed of what the game was actually playing at. So it wouldn't be like hyper fast. Well, there's a, there's a bunch of things in there, like, um, like different settings and stuff. And it's actually cool. So the, the one, there's one that I use, it's called GPSP and it's the game, it's the game boy for PSP, right? Game boy advance. And, um, that's mostly what I play. Like I play game boy advance games on there because like the PSP is cool, but you got to think, man, that's like 2004 technology. And so you try to go really far, any further beyond that. And even there's even some um, there's even some like Nintendo 64 games that run, but they run. They're really slow, sluggish and choppy. Um, and so, you know, it's not like it's not like a handheld now. It's not like it would be like a Nintendo 3DS or the PS Vita or something that was, you know, 10 years ahead or close to 10 years ahead in technology. Hey, let's be honest. The PS Vita was a piece of shit. The PSP was amazing. The PSP was amazing. The PSP is cool. The PS Vita, the only reason I say that is because the PS Vita does have the ability to run uh, newer games. Like, like he's, like, I've, I've seen his, um, and I'd be, re I'd be really interested in, in getting one specifically for that, but um, I've seen his, and, you know, you, you try to run, um, you know, something newer, like, let's say, a Nintendo DS game on the PSP um it's it just it doesn't it doesn't really jive right i've i've seen it like it it you know crashes and all these other things several emulators i've seen done and obviously i don't know the intricacies of it but then i see his three different emulators and they all run flawlessly right so i do understand that i i do understand the basic concept of advances in technology right but really um i'm not trying to like uh you know educate myself i have enough things that i'm i'm doing right now as far as education and learning but it is fun to dabble in it and just to sort of learn Honestly, just how much uh, how much effort goes into it, and then the fact that somebody's willing to put it out there for free, and you know, uh, host a website with all these files and all these things that you can download for free, and then you, not only that, but you look on these emulators, and every one of the advanced settings 
it'll actually give you like a brief description of why you would use or not use this. Like it'll say like this particular setting and then it'll go on to say um, this is utilized for uh, frame rate optimization. However, certain ROMs and certain games um, would not benefit from this or it may cause, you know what I mean? It gives you the warning. It may cause crashing issues or whatever. Um, so just that not only did these people do it, but they did it they spent all this time to do it, not just themselves in mind. They did it for other people utilizing it. And the fact that they're not trying to make money off of it is, is really cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a scene where it's just about love and things like that. And I can, I can super easily explain why some things will run on your PSP and some things won't. So your PSP is basically a portable PlayStation. That's all it is, 32-bit. So your Vita goes up to 64-bit, whereas the PSP is at your 32-bit. So when you get 64-bit coded games, they're not going to play correctly because the the processor, the core of the actual um, CPU cannot handle 64-bit. So it's literally a portable PlayStation. That's all it is. So it it can only play PS1 games, really, really, actually, um, up to PS1 games. Uh, so that's why you can play all the, the NES and all that stuff. But if you try to throw a GameCube game on there, it would fucking kill it because that's, you know, 100 plus fucking bits uh, or 128 bits. So it's not going to play it correctly because it just can't handle that data pathway. It's too much data and too much number crunching at one time for the CPU to be able to handle it itself. If that makes any sense. It's, it's like too much input, too little output. Anyway, and, I, and those things I do understand, right? Like I said, the basics, I understand that. You know, there's, 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 there's a lot more to it than that. The fact that these people are sitting there and they're not just doing it for themselves. They're literally doing it with other people using it in mind. And in our society, when people do that, the end result is dollar signs. Uh, so so it, it was the same scene, and Tech Man can jump in on this. Um, it was kind of the same scene as fan subbing where we weren't really doing it with so much the end user in mind. We're thinking about the other people who were doing it as well. And we were trying to outdo each other. And it was kind of like, it was a competition of like who could do the cooler thing. And we weren't really even looking at the fan itself. It was like, who can do the cooler dumb shit? (laughs) Are we going to talk about mass naked child events? No, we're not going to talk about that. Fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was not me. I was not part of that. That was fucking, you know, kill shock. So fuck him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Freshie, do you do you do um, like, are you into like modding systems and shit like that? I used to be. I'm too fucking old now, and now I just rather download shit that other people have done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we used to do ROM hacking, and we used to make what was called promos or demos. And it would be like how far you could push the uh, processor within a specific type of system um, and just do cool shit. So, like, if you download a proper Super NES pack of ROMs, you're going to find a lot of ROMs in there that are just called demos. And it, it was the groups at the time showing how fucked up they could make the coding and how far they could push the processor of the actual environment. And there's some really cool ones. Um, 
I'll have to get with you later and, and dump some to you so you can look at them because they're just demos. It, it, you, it's not a playable game, but it's like cool effects and stuff like that. Um, yeah. and, and it was like shout outs to certain people and all that crap. Yeah, some of that some of that shit's very interesting to me, and I I do enjoy. I, like, part of me, <laughs> part of me understands, and I appreciate the concept of, um, you know, like uh, like copyrights and property rights and things like that, right? So part of me is like, you know, there's a lot of people out here that are <laughs> that are getting these games for free when in actuality, you know, it's you know, there's a there's a morality thing there, right? Yeah, but it's all stuff that nobody's going to pay for at this day and age. So, so think about this. Think about this. At 15 years for software, you lose the copyright. So once you hit 15 years, it becomes an abandoned wear. And th- there's many websites you can go to, and I hope everybody in the audience is listening to this. If you type in abandoned wares into Google, you're going to come up with abandoned wear websites. And you can play all the games from your childhood for free. You do not have to pay for them. Because in 15 years, the copyright expires. So all those old-ass games that you loved playing, they're all free. It's old software. There's, there's a caveat to that, though, right? Like, you can't take it and try to make money off of it. No, no, you can't make money off of it. However, comma, y- you can still enjoy your childhood again. And play games that you you played as a kid. Like Monkey Island is free, you know. And they're coming out with a new Monkey Island, so maybe you can go back and play Monkey Island again. You know, uh, there was a plethora of abandonware sites back in the early two thousands for all the games from like the eighties and early nineties and stuff like that. That we we would all like. We that was our childhood, you know, and. and you couldn't find these games at a store to buy or anything, but somebody had archived them. And there, there was no way to legally go after the people because it was free at that point. Yeah. So it, it's, I think that uh, as me as being like an internet nerd and stuff, I think of that as my utopia that I can just wait long enough and I can play whatever I want. It is really cool. Now to what Handy was talking about, people not paying for it. I mean, come on, man. You got, you got, Nintendo's making money hand over fist on their old games. You know, they're just porting them to every system that they come out with, right? You got stuff on the Switch, which is my primary console. That's what I normally use is the Switch, just because it's it's so easy. I can drag it around everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I use the Switch too. Yeah, so you got people that are freaking... You got Nintendo. You can go in the eShop, and you can find the original Mario. And whereas you can get it with a subscription now, um, you can still buy it uh, one-off for like seven or eight bucks, the original Mario games. So, I mean, you, people are still buying it, and, and, and people will continue to do that. Now, will a lot of people do it? I mean, probably not, you know, because at this point, you've got the original Mario has been, you've been able to play that on pretty much any system that's ever come out at this point with all the, like we were talking about earlier, all the people porting and, and emulators and all these different things. So, yeah, but I mean, they, they're still making money off the shit. Um, so, this really isn't my podcast, but I will say that we should probably change over to talking about the you know star trek <laughs> we talk about whatever we want on this show like we call it a star trek podcast but well i really i really want to bring up how retarded the timeline is right now we don't use that word on this show sir what retarded or timeline 
timeline. <laughs> it, it's bad. Like, it's really bad. But, so we've all watched Strange New Worlds, right? They they haven't. No, we haven't. They ha- you guys have not watched it yet. We've not watched it yet. We're yeah. No, my wife. My I, that's why I said earlier. I was talking about my wife. I have to wait on her to watch it, man. Fuck, man. I don't know what we're going to talk about because that's like the, the... So everybody's watched Picard, the final episode, right? Of season two? Actually, I have not watched any of Picard. I'm going to binge it. Holy shit, Handy, you might want to fucking throw your headset like on a mute. <laughs> so I, I have watched... I've watched the majority of it, but it, at this point, I already see which direction it's going. I'm not happy with it, so... Oh, no, the, the direction gets really fucked up later. It it won't ruin it for me. I can still watch something and enjoy it. So so Tech and I were talking about last night, and I I, I brought something up to him. So hang on, hang on, stop, 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 stop. Hang on. Anybody listening, if it's gonna ruin this for you, you can fucking plug, put your fingers in ears, and go la 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 for the next fifteen minutes. Yeah. So the, the way Picard is working is it's about Captain Picard's traumas throughout his life and his loves and his things that he cared about so his most recent trauma was dat or data um so the first season was all about data that's all it was yeah the second season is all about the borg and about um his his childhood and there's some minor other things like guinan's in there and things like that but it's more about his life like his middle life right so I, I was talking to Tech Man what about season three would be about, and season two ends with a massive wormhole opening, um, like like a stabilized wormhole opening, and they they actually have to deflect the wormhole opening to stop it from destroying part of the universe. But it's obviously a manufactured wormhole, and where I was going that with Tech Man is is. If it's following the course of the seasons and it's following the course of Picard's life, then the people who created the wormhole are more than likely the Iconians. And it's them returning to our galaxy. Because the Iconians can use the doors to go anywhere within our galaxy, but to leave our galaxy, they would need something extra. They couldn't just leave with the door system that they had. They would need a super gate. They would need a super gate, which would be a wormhole. Um, and the, the fact that it just pops up out of nowhere and it's a manufactured wormhole leads me to believe that they're going into the Iconian phase because that was a big focus of Picard's life was the Iconians because he was always into archaeology with the Iconians. Yeah. So that would make sense because the Iconians just disappeared and nobody could really explain how they disappeared. What if they just went to another galaxy? And with the Borg joining the Federation, by the way, that happened. What? <laughs> yeah. Yes. At the end of Picard, they joined the Federation. That is so stupid. <laughs> well, it did. Like, you have to watch the whole thing. Like, the Borg find out about, you know, loving people or some shit. I don't know. Oh, jeez. Right. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's all about the Borg Queen being lonely, and that's why she keeps on trying to assimilate people. It's fucking, it's convoluted as fuck. But with the end of the Borg, the Klingons are no longer an issue. The Romulans are no longer an issue, right? So who is the enemy now? 
you have to create a new enemy. Yeah. And the fluidic space people don't go through wormholes. So it's obviously not fluidic space. Oh, the fluidic space, oh, species 8472 is already established. Yeah, species 847 does not go through wormholes like that. That's, that's within our, our natural galaxy that you use wormholes. It's not you going into a parallel dimension. Yeah, but in, but even in even in even in Voyager, you see where you know the the oh well, I can't promise anything, but you guys are all right, and you guys are all right too. So you you kind of already see that you know. I I think it's I think it's an easy ass grab. I will I will I will. Here here we go here we go here we go. All right, number one. The 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 glaring obvious shit that we have in our beloved. Uh, fan universe here is that we know that Star Trek is going in a direction of like hippie free love and shit, right? So we we've already, we already see how now everything has to have some morality, and 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 Star Trek's always been like that, but now it's it's so it's so it's in everyone's face. That's what I'm going to stop you. It's not going to go that direction. It's not going to go that direction. You know why? Netflix's stocks went to the fucking tank. So the whole idea of this this, this forced um, diversity, people have obviously shown they don't want it. And Star Trek, yes, has always pushed the limits. However, it never pushed the limits of things people were already doing. There was an agenda. With the first, you know, interracial kiss on TV and all that stuff, it was because nobody did it and it's because it was an issue. But them doing the non-issue shit with Discovery, like with like the forced transgenderism and the forced fucking pansexual, what the fuck ever they were doing, like where a character was created just to be a symbol of something, the fans have shown they hate that shit. Well, I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of here's the thing you also have to understand with the new Star Trek they're having if you really pay attention and of course you understand how the, you know the, the, I mean people that make that much money for a living and put out that kind of stuff they're not stupid right like they're not they're researching things they're looking at data they're understanding so if you look now the younger generation of Star Trek fans which is a lot of what they're trying to appeal to evident they've created a children's cartoon Things like that. They've basically copied Rick and Morty and turned it into Star Trek uh, and, and, and named it Lower Decks, right? So they're trying to appeal to a younger audience. A lot of the younger audience, they love that virtue signaling shit. They love it. You know, it makes them feel good and, and all that stuff. That's where you're actually getting a little bit wrong. Because, so in my job, I work with younger Marines constantly. I, I, I work with 18-year-olds all the time, 17-year-olds sometimes. And they're tired of it. They're tired of being force-fed this fucking agenda. And when you're talking about like transgenderism and everything else, and I have no problem with people being transgender, but that is 0.01% of the population. It is not indicative to constantly be force-feeding it to people. And it's annoying people because when you create characters that their whole narrative is their identity sexually or racially or anything like that? It's not a good character. Ohora was great because she was just 
a snappy character. It's not because she was black. It was because she was a great actor and because she was written into the script as a person. They they randomly threw all types of races and cultures into the original Star Trek, but they did not make the show about the race or culture. No, what they what they did was they wrote they 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 put the characters where they needed to be in the show. They didn't put the show where they need to be with the characters. If you've listened to us before, you'll you, you'll know that I definitely am a huge proponent for everything you're saying. Well, most of it. Okay. Well, what I'm saying with Discovery, it's like, how the fuck did what's her name become the captain of that ship? Like everything she did was worse than what Riker did, and that's why Riker couldn't be a captain. You know what I mean with the the fucking the the Phoenix Project and all that shit. There was a reason why he couldn't be a captain, and she did way worse shit than him. She actually did insurrection against her own captain. So there's no way that Starfleet would actually put her in a position of captaincy. So discovery just doesn't make sense. And also, and I was talking about this to Tech last night, the level of technology they have in the 32nd century does not make sense when you look at the 26th century with Enterprise J when they go to um, where Starfleet's magical space headquarters is, which doesn't make any fucking sense anyways. Like, there are ships that look like Voyager there. It's the 26th fucking century. In the 24th century, you do not have ships that look like the original Enterprise. That's 200 years by 200 years. You're not going to have ships that look like ships from 200 fucking years ago. So it's like, what the fuck is happening here when it's 800 years later? I don't give a fuck about the burn. The burn never made any sense anyways. Like, dilithium was supposed to be so stable that it shouldn't have that happen. That's why I say disco, like, discovery is just like, bleh. They just need to fucking erase it from the fucking ring. They're not very creative in terms of the technology they can come up with. The only, only real cool thing that, that was actually interesting was the programmable matter. Because that's just, oh, I didn't know program matter that way. But that's, that's pretty cool. But I'll give one more thing that was kind of cool was the, the, the ship remorphing. That was kind of cool. But that was actually part of, um, I think it was Star Trek Insurrection. Like the the final TNG movie where they had ships remorphing. Well, we, we've seen what what I'm saying is we up up to now we have seen the 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 forced uh, progressive sort of agenda pushing right? forced diversity. Right. So we've seen that until now, and then of course anybody listening, obviously, no one on the stage has a problem with diversity. We don't have an issue with it. What we have an issue with is that you're you're fucking up our favorite franchise. For no, for literally no reason. It's when you, it's when you, it's like you said, is when you force something. So we like Star Trek because Star Trek has diversity, because Star Trek looks at the utopian world. But when you're talking about diversity, you, you talk about what's common. Um, you, you, we have to talk in democratic terms, right? Or democracy itself, not Democrats, but democracy itself. And you talk about percentages of populations and things like that. And the current Star Trek is trying to push a narrative 
that does not reflect the current population of the United States, which the, the media is made for. As of right now, though, because you're what, what you're saying is going in that direction. I could see a correction, maybe learning stakes of like Netflix and, and things like that. But as we see it right now, that's the direction it's going. That, that's what I'm saying. It, I, I think they're going to fix it. I think they're going to fix it. You guys haven't seen Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds does not fix it. Strange New Worlds continues the narrative of Discovery at the moment. And by the way, anybody who's seen the pilot of the original you know, TOS is going to be pissed off when you see Strange New Worlds. You're going to be absolutely livid. Do you want the spoilers? Like, if you don't want the spoilers, fucking that one's that one's new enough where we need to leave it alone for now. I think you you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about, don't you? No, let's just we we just need to lay that one to rest for now. The person didn't think it was that bad. the The weirdness of you know, I mean, we're, again, we're trying to harmonize 1960s with today. And trying to harmonize the retcon of it's, it's 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 not that it's it's the specific thing, and I'll just say this: Klingon crystals. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck was that? Like, what is this? This major like mental thing he's having about that? Like, what the absolute fuck? Like. It, that that completely controverts the the actual original pilot. This is a sliding scale, I suppose, but you'd have to agree. I I've seen the the pilot of the new one too. You'd have to agree that it's truer, at least, to the original vision than Discovery's been. But 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 how could he like with the, with the original vision and with what happens to him? Right. It doesn't make sense via the pilot, the original pilot of TOS, that he knew it was coming. That doesn't make sense. They fleshed that out. That was first fleshed out in Discovery. And I haven't seen that particular episode in about two years, so I don't remember exactly how that played out. Uh, But clearly it's something that's going to be uh, a plot line that they revisit over the course of the run of this series. I mean, it, the way they plant that seed, it's pretty obvious that that's something that's going to become, that they're going to come back to. Does it make sense? Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if it does or doesn't. And I guess just, just to put a, just to put a capper on what you were talking about earlier, uh, with discovery, which I've bailed on a while back, just I'll boil it down even one further. I, I mean, I don't have a problem if you want to have a transgender character and it's something that feels right and uh, organic to the plot. But my biggest issue with Discovery has always been that it all just feels it's poor storytelling. It all feels like box checking to me. It's it's forced. It's forced. Yeah. The two transgender characters that they have are really, really shitty actors. Yeah. Hey, let's do this because it'll be cool. Yeah, it's just bad at fucking acting. Well, you have what you have is as someone as and, and I've, I, we talked about this. I think last episode or on a trash talk or something. You know, I I acted when I was younger. I've been around actors all my life. My mother was a professional actress. She's done radio and TV and stage acting and traveled all over Europe and United States and Canada and other places. 
Um, so I've been around actors all my life. And <clears throat> just because um, you come from a particular uh, group of people or social group or race, race, ethnicity, uh, religion, um, you know, sexual orientation, blah, 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 does not mean you'll be able to take that to the screen and make it entertaining or be able to drive that point home. And that's something that people forget. Acting is indeed a skill. Acting is something that you're either going to be good at it or you're not. And you can take all the acting classes you want and you could still be shit. You could take no acting classes and be an amazing actor. We've seen it happen, right? The problem is, is that when you search for that because you're like, well, we want authenticity and we don't want actors that are pretending they're whatever. We want, you know, real people and it's going to come across. It doesn't work. Nine times out of ten, it does not work. And we've seen that. Now, on the flip side, you can take a really good actor and with enough research and enough practice and enough time, they can portray and, and they can make they can perform an accurate portrayal on screen, on stage of somebody representing that group. Right. It is hard to do, but that's why you have various acting methods that people follow. And you want the greatest analogy of all time. Those guys. Hold on. Let me finish. You had those guys um, that actually went through a fucking police academy. And that's why their portrayal on screen, you can look at them. And as, as someone who did that for a long time, I can look and say, man, that's exactly, that's pretty spot on. That's exactly how we would talk. That's exactly how we act. That's exactly how we dress. That's the culture within that realm, right? So that's the problem you're having. My next point would also be that, to me, my favorite part of that show or my favorite relationship was Culber and Stamets. Why? Not because they were gay, but because that felt natural it felt normal it felt like it wasn't forced that was the only part of that show that i didn't feel like was forced yeah th th it was very real it was, it, they had very real uh on-screen chemistry um it was the the actors did a great job um and i think that um to me that was the best part of the show and however they did that they need to go back to their drawing room and look through their notes and figure out however you did that do that for every other thing you want to do and then it'll be palatable but until then, it's broken. Here's the big thing. You as an actor, if we're talking about you have to pick the person for the role that reflects who they are as a person, it doesn't make sense. Because if you look back to the 1940s, the 1950s, and things like that, the greatest movies that were probably made of all time, all of the male leads pretty much were all gay in real life. Mm -hmm. But they portrayed straight men. Uh-huh. But they did an excellent job portraying straight men because they were excellent fucking actors. Right. An actor is to pretend you're something you're not. Yep. And people have lost that. That is that's what true acting is, is to take on the persona of something you are not. And to portray it very well. And the fact that people want, oh, it has to be accurate to this, that, or the other doesn't make sense to me i can understand if you're doing a period play and you say we're doing something with vikings and yeah they all to be white norwegian looking right because it's a period play so it's part of the makeup that they look a specific way to give the specific persona do they have to be norwegian do they have to be from viking heritage no but they have to look like it 
Yep. Because it's part of the, the makeup and the costume and everything else. It's just like if I was doing a, a movie about, you know, somebody from Zimbabwe, I'm not going to pick, you know, a fucking like. I'm not going to put Tom Cruise in there. Irish guy to fucking portray him. It doesn't make sense. You, you have to give the, the right. It's almost like um, sets, you know, like when you make a set for a movie or anything or play or anything like that, you have to give that instance of what things should look like so you can envelop the audience in the experience. And a lot of discovery doesn't make sense to me because the sets don't make sense. The fact that in the 20 or the 32nd century, a ship from the 23rd century is allowed to just like be the chief ship. I'm like, that's over a thousand fucking years. Their technology is over a thousand years old. That's like us in the fucking dark ages. No, it's like, you know, putting a, putting a bottle a in front of the tanks when you go into war. It doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like, yeah, you got a spore drive. Like what the fuck is a spore drive? To be honest with you. I have a question regarding about that season four discovery. Did anybody see any actual spores being injected into the spore drive? No, <laughs> they didn't do shit. They, they did nothing. They just, that was all off camera. <laughs> they just, no, from from the older seasons, the sport drive's actually dead. From what I remember, the, the the whole mycelium network got fucking fried, but suddenly it's fucking working again. Because it healed. Because Discovery didn't jump. Oh yeah, yeah. Because magic and fucking bad script writing. Right. It, it's it's all trash. Yeah, they need to bring. They need to bring back. I was telling Techman this the other night. They need to bring back Braga. They need to bring back you know Brandon Braga to actually write some fucking real fucking scripts. Well, that's that's what they did in in the Orville. Brandon Braga for the first two seasons was the uh, executive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they made an amazing show. That <laughs> yeah, was good. Imagine that. The script writer from Star Trek can write a fucking sci-fi show. <laughs> but now you got these fucking goddamn... Ah, uh, they're such bad fucking script writers. Let me, let me come back to Strange New Worlds for a little bit, because I'll, I'll give some spoiler-free... Um, um, some spoiler-free uh, attitudes towards the show. So I think it's it's much better than Discovery was. I think it's even just the first episode. I think it's a lot better than than Picard. It it is adjacent to what we know and love as Star Trek. Uh, there are several idiosyncrasies that just don't like, they just don't fit very well. But I'm hoping, hoping that they'll resolve some of those. I mean, it's only been one episode. I'm hoping they'll resolve some of that going forward. But Kirk's going to watch it. And I know what Kirk's going to say. And that is, Vulcans look too fucking human. Because uh, as far as I remember, uh, Vulcans mate once every seven years. It's not part of their natural processes, and yet you have like a f- like a five to seven minute segment of Spock and Tapring like in bed and and ready to get it on. You're like, what, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Why would they do that? 
Well, you did see, you did see real quick. Um, I'm gonna have to, I don't know. I'm gonna have to jump off here in a second. I don't know when, but you did see, um, like to Paul, fucking what's his name in Enterprise, just because. So, I mean, they never, they, they, you know, mating, yeah, like they addressed it every seven years, but they never really. I don't, re- I don't recall any point when they were like, yeah, we only do it every seven years and we never take our dick out unless it's every seven years. Don't you talk about my food like that? Plus, you got to remember that this is the Discovery universe and remember what the Klingons looked like in Discovery. It didn't look like anything like Klingons that we're used to. So, I don't know. I guess suspend your disbelief a little bit. Oh, it's, it's, it's not that. I mean, because they were, they were actually trying to be very Star Trek-y about it in terms of, you know, tying it all into canon. They even had Robert April. They had Christopher Pike. Uh, but the whole, you know, it, 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 it gets very odd because right before that scene, they were being all logical with, like, query, response, query, response. And then all of a sudden, they, like, m- make out. And then... I, 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 know, where, I know where Bear was coming from. Um, you can't make excuses for what they did to Klingons in Discovery. I don't know what the fuck those were supposed to be. <laughs> you know, I mean, at the same time, though, I mean, the, the same argument that people that are into Discovery, the same thing that they, the tired argument that they pull out is, well, they didn't look the same as they did in the original series. And I'm like, yeah, but see, the newer version of Klingons were actually written well. Yeah, and and, and their Klingon, it, well, they're they're canon, and they explained why the Klingons looked a specific way uh, via DS Nine, um, in those series. But like them creating a completely new Klingon species uh, of how they looked d- just didn't make fucking sense. To be fair, they changed the look. Between the original series and the movies without actually telling anybody why they did that so there is precedent there they they did but if you look at the there at least are some similarities in my opinion so you had the bushy eyebrows dark skin because klingons have darks that's just they have dark skin um you know the aggressive nature of klingons remained um the, there was a lot of similarities there, and it was like, "Hey, we added some forehead ridges." So, so, so I'll go, I'll go deep and dark with you. So, we're going into TNG, uh, the episode where they had the reversion of genetic traits, and they went back to what Klingons came from, which Klingons came from crustaceans. So, they were actually a crab-like people to begin with. They they were hard armored on the outside and everything else. Um, and the ones from discovery don't have those traits. They don't, they don't have the ridges and all the other stuff they should have because that's what the, the Klingons were supposed to be. That's how they explained them was the reason for the ridges and all that other stuff had to do with their, their history as being almost like crab people. Like, I know that's fucking, you know, some South Park shit, but they were, they had exoskeletons and so on and so forth. So them having those ridges and everything else and the spiky prominences 
made sense for their species. Whereas the, the mongoloid fucking looks that they had in discovery, cause they look like fucking mongoloids. I'm sorry, but that doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense towards the, the, the species or the history or the genome itself. The newer Klingons in discovery looks like Eddie Murphy in a costume. Like if you, if you look, and, I, and I'm saying this because look at uh, one of my favorite movies, the one, um, and I can't think of the damn name, the one where he um, he played the Norbit, where he played Norbit, and then like his wife was Respucia, and she was like this evil, you know. If you look like at the stage makeup they did for Respucia for Eddie Murphy, it looks very similar to like the stage makeup and like the fake mask and everything like that that they use for the Klingons. It, it, it's it's it, it was. A sad choice. They already had a winner. If they had kept the original canon um, of how, you know, Klingon should look and everything, it would have gone more fan favorite. It felt like more like I'm a costume designer and I'm friends with the director and I want to show off my fucking skills and I want to make myself in Hollywood and I've never seen Star Trek before. That's what it felt like to me. Technically, they should have been more human-looking, because that's when the virus, the augment virus, took hold. They, they should have been more human-looking, but th- they weren't the in-between, you know? They, they, they really weren't the in-between, to me. Like, they should have had more spiky prominence and things like that, going between the virus and everything else. Um, but it, it kind of made them look like mush heads. Their faces, their faces look three D printed. Did you uh, Did you like how in season two they tried to they tried to uh, retcon it back, saying, "Oh, it's no longer wartime, therefore the Klingons are growing their hair back." <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was fucking sad as fuck. And and the fact that like there's so many things in Discovery that are just like whack as fuck, it, like. If I have to learn 800 years of technology, you got these engineers from like way back in the day, right? And, and they're giving these new warp drives and all this stuff, but there's no learning curve. There's like instantaneously, I, I understand how to use this new technology. Yeah, like, like that episode where they, uh, where they tried to get the Barzan, Barzan people that were like, uh, they were holding all those crops, right? And Burnham is able to magically like open everything by just by hacking into it. I'm like, oh, I didn't know you knew how to do Burnham that. Burnham is a fucking Mary Sue. She is literally the worst thing of Star Trek ever. Where you have Mary Sues. I'm convinced Chalk to like some for cutting out, Grizz. It's all the rage right now. But Mary Sues? No, multiverse. They're gonna. There's somebody's gonna come out at some point and just chalk all this up to it being some sort of multiverse situation. I I actually talked about that with Tech the other night, like how they're gonna break this down, and like I honestly don't think Picard, the the series Picard, takes place in the same universe as Discovery, just because of specific things. I think Picard's taking more place in Calvin timeline. Um, because Picard doesn't address a lot of the things, and, and also within Discovery, you have all those races getting together and everything. But within Picard, you know the Borg have joined the Federation. 
why are they not present within the Federation capital, within the main space station discovery? It doesn't make sense. Because all these stories are not meshing with each other. They're just totally separate. Yeah, this is this is a big this is a really key point right here. It's not like Discover or it's not like TNG, it's not like DS9, and it's not like Voyager, where the writers were the same writers for all the shows, where they were actually paying attention to what the different shows were saying. It's a bunch of different writers writing their own fucking storylines without like talking to each other about what the fuck they're doing. So it's just this fucking mishmash of bullshit that doesn't make any sense. And it's like, it's almost like they went and stripped the WB for story writers who write things like the flash and shit. They're, they're garbage. And they fucking shoved them into star Trek. And it's like, dude, you have no idea what the premise of star Trek is. It's about exploration. It's about discovering new things. It's not about what the fuck you're writing about. Yeah, and I, okay, I realize this is somewhat fraught territory, but in Star Wars, there's a Star Wars story group, which is sort of like the brain of the whole enterprise, of the whole enterprise, no pun intended. But every single bit of IP has to go through those guys, and they wash it for continuity, making sure everything matches up, and... So at least it, you know, and you can, we can certainly digress about issues that Star Wars has, but that's not my point. My point is that it doesn't feel like Star Trek anything, even, it just feels like everybody's off doing their own thing. There's no communication between, you know, group A, group B, group C, and that there's just no continuity at all. We're all just making this shit up as we go. I I 100% agree with you. Part of the issue was when, when Viacom... Um, well, not Viacom, but um, when Paramount split into Paramount and Viacom, the intellectual property got uh, uh, split between the movies and the TV series. So the movies stayed with Paramount, and the uh, show went to Viacom. And then when Viacom bought CBS... Um, CBS was the one who was producing new content, you know, Discovery and whatnot. So you had a lot of had a lot of discontinuity between the intellectual property. So you couldn't build that kind of core group that where the intellectual property would flow through, if you will. It's now it's now that you know Viacom bought CBS and re-merge with Paramount now that everything Star Trek is all under one roof again. So you can use the same uniforms, you can use the same terminology, you can use the same uh, intellectual property, but you can actually create that group now. But with respect to Star Wars, the amount of content out there for Star Trek, so the amount of content there is for Star Wars, I mean, it's day and night, right? You have to sift through all sorts of storylines and, uh, in a, you know, and, and writing scripts and what was put in the show. And, and unfortunately, you have to figure out who you have to pay, which writer you have to pay if you're going to use an idea. For example, um, Tom Paris is a prime example of this. Uh, the same guy, Robert Duncan McNeil, played Nicholas Locarno in TNG, 
as he did Tom Paris and Voyager. They didn't want to use word or the, 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 the character Nicholas Locarno because then every time they would produce a Voyager episode, they'd have to pay royalties to the writer that wrote that episode. They created a completely new character with the exact same backstory as Tom Paris. So, similarly, think about all the stuff that you'd have to sift through. It's like, all right, we're going to make this Discovery storyline trying to fit it in 10 years before Kirk. Is that the reasoning behind changing some of these things? Like the look of the Klingons and shit like that? Yeah, there's, there's a long history of Paramount pulling this horse shit. I just watched like a, a doc on, on Nimoy yesterday on Netflix, which you guys should check out if you haven't. haven't give it a shot. So, 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 so part of it, part of it um, is what Tech is talking about, is about royalties. However, for the Klingons, uh, uh, so Star Trek 2 was what solidified what the Klingons look like. The people who did the actual costume work and everything and actually made the, the, the dramatic designs of the Klingons, they're actually dead. They, they aren't a lot alive any longer. Those Hollywood you know, effects artists, they're not there anymore. And the person who actually makes the most money off of the Klingons is the guy who wrote the Klingon language and his family. <laughs> yeah, he makes the most money off it because there's so many books and everything about the Klingon language. He still makes money. He still makes royalties off of it. Um, I, I, I honestly believe... Swagger makes a very good point. Um, he wrote that you know, in season one of Picard, you know how they say that he, he's going to have a disease, right? Picard has a specific disease. It's called Eremotic Syndrome. And it never, ever gets mentioned in Star Trek Picard. Only, it's only mentioned as a, as a terminal disease. Same, same kind of deal. Don't, you don't want... no, I, I, I thought about that too. And the, their way of resolving it in season one of Picard is by giving him a body that is synthetic. So therefore, his aromatic disease has to do with his brain, right? No, but what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying is that based on the same conversation of I don't want to pay royalties, people that wrote uh, all good things do not get paid because their content wasn't used. They, like the words aromatic syndrome never once were used in Picard season one. But you also have to remember that via All Good Things, they actually resolved his aromatic syndrome, and there was numerous movies afterwards where it never progressed and he never had issues. So the whole thing with All Good Things was, if you watch it all the way through, it resolves his aromatic syndrome. Because I've, I've watched it a ton of times. So the whole thing with All Good Things is him resolving it. Him fixing the fact that he has the aromatic. And that's through Q. And that's kind of like what season two of Picard um, goes into is the fact that Q actually considers Picard his best friend. And that's why he's trying to help Picard get through his problem. Like, if you watch all the way through Picard season two, it's Q trying to help Picard resolve problems in his own head. Near omnipotent being considers a mortal as his best friend. How? <laughs> just, just 
bad. But he's also dying. Like, like it doesn't make sense because <laughs> Q dies at the end of the card. So, or at the end of season two. And how the fuck does that happen? Uh, he just, he, well, the way Q explains it is he's either coming to the end of his lifespan or he's transferring to a new plane. So it's not really stated what the fuck's happening. Q's ascending. Q's ascending, possibly, or there is a lifespan to Q's. But the Qs have never been aware of them before. But the Q from Star Trek, if you remember from other episodes, is one of the oldest of all the Q. He's, ascend- he's ascending to become an ancient. <laughs> one of the things I thought that was weird was that he didn't try to transfer his powers to Picard. Like he did with Riker back in TNG. Um, but at the end of it, and this is spoiler stuff, they hug it out and all that shit. Um, and it's kind of like uh, the passing of a character. So it's possible that the, the, the actor for Q is actually dying, like in real life. And they were trying to make it like that, you know, like where they, they try to give him his final hurrah. Um, for fans who love the fact that Q exists, um, he may, he might be dying of cancer or something else, but the, the fact that they would kill off Q is a big deal. And I think there's some other backstory within the actor's realm on it, because the actors, if you look at them, a lot of them are all friends, right? And for them to get rid of a major actor like that, like Q, means something else is probably going on. Uh, Nothing's been reported. Nothing's been reported, but I mean, like, you know, Patrick Swayze died of fucking cancer, and nobody was told shit, and he just fucking all all of a sudden died. I mean, some actors are very private. I guess guess that could be true. I mean, they, they keep on making Picard, and Patrick Stewart's like a million years old. So <laughs> that's true. The dudes look like he's 70 since the 1970s. So it, it must, it must be his, uh, his charming, uh, bald head. Yeah. Right. I mean, even since the Dune movie <laughs> or, or since, uh, Excalibur, right. <laughs> Excalibur. <laughs> that motherfucker has been bald the same way. For like my entire lifespan. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyways, Andy, you want to talk about the game? Andy, sure. What are we talking about? I don't know. What do you What do you got? Well, nothing really to report. Just a bunch of semi boring content, and yeah, how's a new dry hitter working out? Uh, he's fallen off the map, I guess. Fallen off the map. I don't think anybody's heard from him recently. They just kind of disappeared. How are the new characters working out? The uh, the new lower decks guys. Um, very situational, it seems. Yeah. So, basically, um, 
I mean, in some situations it might work, but most people have not leveled up the officers much yet. So, you know, you might be sacrificing a lot of lower deck stats by putting in a lower deck officer. What game are you guys talking about? Star Trek Fleet Command. Is it uh, one of the free MMOs? Yeah, it's a quote-unquote free mobile game, but it's actually the most expensive mobile game there is. Well, if if I go bitch mode and don't pay anything, I could be one of your fucking lower deck people. Oh. It, it works in a way where it's uh, it's like a traditional... It's like a traditional MMO. Then, if you want to, if you want anything, if you want to do anything that's worth a damn, you're gonna have to spend six figures. Oh, it's like gotcha, like big time. Oh yeah. Oh fuck that. <laughs> like you can play it, but your progression rate is so slow if you don't spend money. I mean, now it's faster, obviously. When when you when you first started, it would take forever to level up. to like that's what the property was able to be licensed but then the the merger between um viacom and paramount happened so now the company that um markets the game scopely they have the ability to add all types of star trek content they've made the game infinitely more complicated from what it used to be it used to be just go around new systems blow up ships mine a few things All right, it's back. We were talking about how, yeah, the the Borg cube. Yeah, yeah. So, so the the way the Borg are handled within Picard is kind of strange. The biggest point with Picard is that he doesn't have his trauma that he showed with the Borg and any other institution that they they can cross them right, where he basically is enfeebled or extremely um, irate, where he becomes. Uh, inconsolably angry being around them. And especially in his conversations with the Borg Queen, he's not uh, violently angry, which doesn't make sense because anytime he would actually come around the Borg Queen uh, uh, within the series or anything else, he'd be violently angry because he doesn't want to talk to her. Also, she refers to him as Picard constantly instead of Locutus. (laughs) Which the Borg Queen would never refer to him as Picard. She would always refer to him as Lacutus. Yeah, that's not very consistent. It's not very consistent at all. Um, On top of that, uh, from the dead Borg Queen's body, the new Borg Queen, who's presiding in that other doctor person, sends tendrils into the Borg Queen to take nanomites out of it when she's already dead. And that doesn't make sense because the nanomites would already be dead. Because without the the body's function, as the Borg work, the nanomites actually um, produce their energy off the mitochondrial effect of actual living cells. Borg nanomites cannot survive unless there's a living host. So she, she derives her nanomites out of that. So there's just, there's so many inconsistencies with it. Uh, the fact that when she infects that special forces unit, um, they're not fully assimilated. Like, she doesn't actually control them. Like, it's like a quasi-control weird thing. 
doesn't really make sense. Um, the fact that the Borg can be killed with a sword when those those infected by her should have their Borg shields. Like, how could a sword <laughs> penetrate the shields, right? <laughs> they should have their Borg fucking shields, right? Like, individual Borgs should have their fucking shields. I'm not, I'm not fucking stupid on this, am I? Um, like, a lot of it just doesn't fucking make sense. And, and, and then the fact that the Borg Queen would have issues taking over a ship because some fucking doctor, Girardi, locked her out of the system. Like, the Borg are... That's their shit. Like, you put them in technology, they're gonna fucking break the technology immediately. They're gonna take it over. Like, how the fuck does some doctor, blonde head fucking bitch, create some algorithm that the Borg can't get through? Like, what the fuck? Even Data wasn't capable of it. Right? Yeah. You're right. You're right, Swagger. That's so. I was going to use that argument as to why a sword can penetrate a Borg, but not not energy weapons, and it has to do with Stargate. Right? In Stargate, uh, there was an episode where they where they find the Unas for the first time, and the uh, energy weapons don't work, but the projectile weapons still do. So, if for example, the because it's an energy based shield or something. Exactly. So if you have kinetic if you have kinetic weapons, i.e. like guns, you could kill Borg all day long. That doesn't make any sense because there are episodes of TNG. There's episodes of TNG where they're fighting the Borg and they actually try to hit one of them with their fist. And they hit the kinetic or they hit the shield. I think that was a mistake though, because if you actually go back, they led Borg into the holodeck to kill them with holodeck Tommy guns because the projectiles worked when the energy weapons wouldn't, right? But that would make sense because the projectiles in the holodeck are energy. Unless you turn the safeties off. Right? They're, they're not made of actual fucking bullets. It's a holodeck. Holodeck is all energy. Yeah, but it's manifested... Yeah, so the, the only way to go through a Borg shield, the only way to go through a Borg shield is by variating your frequency. So if they were on the holodeck, they had already programmed the holodeck to actually attack Borg through energy weapons by variating frequency. I mean an infinite modulating frequency, or the IMOD. Yep. That's the only way they could penetrate their, their actual shields. It's the same way that we were, uh, the, the Federation was able to penetrate their shields via infinite modulation of phasers. Basically, it just looks like they've hamstrung the Borg and made them a lot weaker than they And Anybody saying that their shields, their individual shields or any of their shields can be penetrated by kinetic energy doesn't make sense because when shields are up on a Starfleet vessel, a photon torpedo, which is kinetic energy, cannot penetrate the shield. Right. So it's just different. That's a different universe thing, though. It's. I, I, I think it was just bad fucking strip writing. That's what I think it is. Because, uh, and the fact that all of a sudden that, that they're, so they're special forces, right? 
all of a sudden that their their fucking laser sights turn green is fucking stupid. Like their weapons got borgized. <laughs> yeah, that is fucking dumb. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. And, and it, it, when you watch the episode, it's like these fuckers have infinite ammo. I'm in the military. Like the the amount of time that they're shooting, apparently these assholes have backpacks of like 66 tons of ammo. <laughs> it, it's fucking ridiculous. Like if I go full auto on an M16 or an M4, I'll be full auto for about 13 seconds at max. Like I'll run out of bullets like instantaneously. And the most cartridges I ever carry on my flak are I'll carry uh, eight magazines. So four and then four like dueled up. And these guys didn't have flax on like when, when were they like exchanging their fucking weapons or uh, exchanging their fucking ammo loads? They were just fucking going ham the entire time. And it made no sense. And he's like, oh, look, it, it must have happened already because there's bullet holes in my walls. And it's like, dude, like. First off, you're, you're putting in a wall that's past another wall that they were shooting at. My, you know, NATO rounds aren't going to go through that wall and into that wall. They're going to hit the one wall and fucking die because a bullet isn't as big as you think. There's just so many things wrong with it. They just didn't make any fucking sense. Is there technology in DS9 where um, that Vulcan sniper that Vulcan sniper was using where you, know, you lock on to a certain target and then you energize the bullet and it appears like right before, uh, right before the target as, as it's going through? That's that, that's another thing I don't get. It, it's like if I wanted to kill somebody and um, assassinate them, right? And Star Trek, all I got to do is half energize them. <laughs> you know, just energize the top half of their body or some shit. No, just just to energize their fucking heart out in the space. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It's like you can energize any part of anybody. Like they're always talking about, like you have to have the signal correct. Just make the signal incorrect and energize somebody. Like, fuck them up. Like, make them into fucking, like, atomic, like, little atoms of fucked up in this. It doesn't really matter. I think they've done, they did that. They, they, they basically energized the whole person away. Like, they were yeah, just. And, 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 and then Scotty's talking about, in the fucking movies and the Calvin timeline, he's talking about, yeah, energize a warp from millions of miles away. I'm like, you can assassinate any fucking person in the universe at this point. Like, why are we even fucking talking about, like, fighting empires and shit like that? Just fucking energize them. Fucking they're dead. <laughs> Dradalorian asks, how could Species 8472 destroy Borg ships when they're all their energy weapons are... All their weapons are energy weapons. And, uh... You know, as, as far as I remember, they would just teleport one person onto the Borg ship and just destroy the Borg ship from the inside out. That also doesn't make sense because they can only survive in fluidic space, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. And our space is not fluidic space, and it doesn't have to do with you being inside of a, a fucking spacesuit. It has to deal with a completely different type of physics. So it never made sense. Yeah, fluidic space never made sense. Like, why would there be fluid space? 
and and there are no planets in fluidic space. So where do they actually get the matter to build? Oh, beyond that, the word space means the absence of. So why would there be fluid in space? <laughs> uh, did Picard season two address what Janeway Voyager did to the Borg transwarp conduits? No. I'm sorry, was that clear enough? Yeah, no, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't they didn't discuss any of that. Uh apparently the Borg can just create a transwarp conduit anywhere they want, because that's what they did in Picard. Um without having a endpoint. They just fucking did whatever they wanted. Uh, what other questions can we answer? This is this is this is fun. I'm gonna bring up tentacles again. Why did Gerardi have tentacles? The Borg Queen didn't have tentacles; had tendrils, um, and that's because the Borg Queen somehow took over her mind, and then somehow magically created Borg nanomites with inside of her, without her ever touching the Borg Queen. Um, just because they were the minorly connected for a little bit, and apparently your consciousness has to do with. Uh, how much the Borg Queen has control. Like, it's very convoluted as fuck. It doesn't make any sense. What I remember was she plugged in a USB, or Picard plugged in a USB port into Gerardi's neck, and that's what created the assimilation process. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, like, the, the whole, um, my mind can be slowly taken over, but my mind can stay in my mind, and then I can slowly, like, get my mind back. Like, it made no sense, because once you're assimilated, you're assimilated. You're part of the collective. And Picard has a very stalwart mind, so it's like, how was he able to be assimilated so purely where Girardi was kind of like this quasi-assimilated, like, whatever, and slowly became the Borg Queen? Like, it didn't really make sense. Like, that's a queen... And she should be nothing but Borg components, pretty much. Like, very little flesh. 90% of her should be Borg components. And if you connect to her, she should be instantaneously be able to turn you into whatever the fuck she wants. I gotta run, guys. I gotta go hang out with mom. It's, it's love. Because have a good day. Alright. Take it easy, Handy. Talk to you later. Have a good day, Andy. You will be loved. Resistance is futile. <laughs> I think my kids are getting a little rowdy. It's time to uh, it's time to wrap things up. I think this was fun. All right, Tech. Did you guys Did you guys get to all nerd out? Everybody yep. that was here. Well, I, I think seven and nine picture didn't really. I'd I'd like to hear what she has to say, but oh, start, Madam Stargazer. Yeah, she's been pretty quiet. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening. I was listening to everything. <laughs> the opinion? Sorry if I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big talker, but... No, that's no problem. I would like to hear your opinion on the stuff. On the show? I haven't watched much of the show yet, lately. Well, I mean, I mean just like Picard, uh, Strange New Worlds, uh, Discovery, so on and so forth. Yeah, I've 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 been watching a little bit of Picard. I've not watched Strange New World yet. 
Um, but Picard, it's right now is just a little bit boring to me right now because I'm starting on season one. So, yeah, season one, season one can be boring. Um, season two gets a little more into it. I, I would say season two is more along the lines of uh, I forget the movie name, but it's it's the one where they hit the Borg sphere and they go back in time. First contact or Picard, yeah. First contact. Um, I, I would say it's more along the lines of that. Uh, it, it's got a lot of uh, fanfare in it, where uh, you meet Guinan in the past and everything else. Um, then he meets Guinan in the future again, which is kind of like, why are you even putting Whoopi Goldberg in stuff after what the fuck she did? Right. Um, yeah, she she went a little bit far with what the fuck she was talking about. Um, but. Maybe they'll kill her off. As far as Patrick Stewart's concerned, Patrick does uh, a really good job acting in that. Uh, however, some of the some of the stuff is very convoluted um, with his mother and everything else. Doesn't really make sense for like a seventy-something-year-old man to care that much about specific things they're talking about. It, it seemed like more of like an agenda of people talking about. Uh, uh, you know, mental health and all that crap. Um, and me being as a military person, I've got a father with dementia and that like I have family is all fucked up and all that shit. Like, I don't feel the same way he does. <laughs> and he was supposed to be a kid when that happened, and it just doesn't really make sense to me. You mean he's repressed it for so long now finally, at the moment... Yeah, it, it's, it's like, how? How? Has this never come up? And... 40, almost 40 fucking years of the show, how has his mother never come up? Well, yeah. I mean, it did, but his brother was conspicuously absent. Yeah. Yeah, but his, his brother never even comes up during Picard season two at, at all. And it's like, where's his brother? Because his brother was his older brother, right? Yeah. Where the fuck is he in Picard season two? He's never there. Especially when his mother dies, like shouldn't shouldn't like yeah he have come back or something? No, it, it's it's only his father and only his mother the entire time. You know why? I can tell you why they didn't want to pay. Uh, because they can't pay for the actor to fucking do it. No, no, no. They they don't want to pay the royalties for the episode that was written. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they they don't want to pay for what's actually fucking happening. And it's like uh, when they keep on bringing up Kirk and Strange New Worlds, they're not bringing up James T. Kirk. They're bringing up Sam Kirk. Because they can afford Sam Kirk. They can't afford James T. Kirk. <laughs> who the heck so is they can Sam? Somebody who was written into one episode who died in that episode. Sam was his brother, I believe, right? Yeah, Sam was his older brother, and oh, Sam had died. So they, they bring up. So when they keep on talking about Lieutenant Kirk and Strange New Worlds, they're not talking about Lieutenant James T. Kirk. They're talking about Sam Kirk, and Sam Kirk didn't die on the Enterprise, which doesn't make any sense. The the fact that he's on the Enterprise, and th there was no allusion to Spock having ever met Sam Kirk before. Sam Kirk died in that one episode. Or, yeah, yeah, it was an episode. So it's kind of strange 
that they use Sam Kirk. But what you were saying, Tech Man, makes sense to me now. Uh, they didn't want to have to pay because if it was Sam Kirk, not James T, the person who actually probably owned the fucking script rights to that is probably dead by now. So they don't have to pay any money. All about money. That's fucking sad. Like, Roddenberry would be rolling in his fucking grave right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he would be. All right, I, I, think this is, I think this has been fun. Let's get back to Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, and uh, Freshy, thanks for stopping by, man. I appreciate it. This was fun. Hey, hey, happy Mother's Day to me because I'm a motherfucker. Peace out. <laughs> 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 on that note thank you everybody for listening please like subscribe comment do all the things social media asks you to do and as always we'll see you guys next time <laughs>